Hey guys, you're listening to episode 41 of the Finish Line Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today we're going to be sitting down with Rod Brenneman, the former CEO of Butterball. Welcome to the show. My name is Keelan, and I'm here with my co-host and brother, Cody. Today, we had the chance to sit down with Rod Brenneman, the former CEO of Butterball, who has a fascinating journey of generosity. After leaving his corporate career, Rod began to explore the concept of giving engines, businesses which exist to generate an indefinite profit to support nonprofits and ministries. In that time, he has worked with LifeSong for Orphans to build multiple businesses that support LifeSong's expenses so that 100% of donated funds can go directly to orphans. Rod is passionate about God using people with a business background to bring about his glory. Stay tuned to hear the rest of Rod's story. Before we get started, you know this podcast has been growing almost exclusively by word of mouth. For those of you who have helped us get the message out there by sending a link to a friend or sharing on social media... We just want to give you a big thanks. It really makes a big impact. And for everyone, if you think this or any of our conversations are thought-provoking or inspiring, take a second and share it with someone who might need to hear it. We have been blown away at how God has used some of these stories to make a radical impact in the world of generosity and missions. And you very well might be the link in that chain. All right, with that, let's get to the interview. Well, we're here today with Rod Brenneman. Rod, we're so excited to have you here. Thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thank you guys for having me. I've been looking forward to this and looking forward to the discussion. I'm hoping you can get us started off by telling us a little bit about your background and your story. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the fun part first, I've been married to my wife, Shelly, for almost 35 years now. And we have two kids and six grandkids, unfortunately, none of which are in Kansas City where we're located, but we do a fair amount of traveling to see them. And so we're the traveling grandparents. Professionally, my career started really on the financial side out of college. I was a CPA at a large public accounting firm and then transitioned over to a international agribusiness and transportation company where I spent the bulk of my career and really was focused mostly in the protein business and eventually was involved in running a large integrated pork production processing company and then spent the last several years as CEO of Butterball, the turkey company for them. After I left Butterball in 2014, I really didn't know what God had in store for me. You know, business had always been my mission field and I didn't know whether he would want me to go run another company or do something totally different. And I got a lot of advice from people to take some time and pray and just see where God wanted to use me. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that hears a loud voice from God, but doors open and doors close. And through a lot of prayer and counsel, I started getting calls to serve on boards of companies and as a director of companies and also as an advisor to private equity and venture capital groups. So those doors opened and a lot of things felt right. And so my career sort of at that point transitioned from running companies to now advising kind of on a different level. Through that process, God was also doing something else. He was providing margin for me 
to spend some of my time, talent, and treasures with ministries. And we'll talk more about that later on. But, you know, I really, in hindsight, see that orchestration of the transition from being full-time, all-in, everything, every day, one thing, to being able to work more at the advising level and creating space, not having to execute day in, day out, but creating space for me to do other things. And I want to just mention during this time, the organization that we'll talk some about during this discussion is an organization called Lifesong. And the founder of that organization, I met actually through business, total God thing. And I won't get into the details of the story, but we were actually in the same airport at the same time, more or less a random event put us together. And that conversation started well before I ever left my corporate life. And, you know, that was planting a seed all along for me to get more engaged in using my skills and experiences in business to get involved in ministry. And again, we'll get into that a whole lot later, but that's sort of my journey. I was fortunate to be raised in a Christian home with great parents that were an awesome example. And we'll maybe get into that a little bit more too as time goes on here. Yeah, I'm excited to get into a little more of your story. Before we get to some of the more recent things that you've done, I know you have a heart for generosity, and I was hoping that you could share a little bit about kind of how your faith journey has grown over the years through your career and also where God kind of plugged in that seed of generosity and you know kingdom building, that sort of thing. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I was born into a great Christian home and brought up in the church, accepted Jesus when I was a youth. And my generosity journey, I would have to say, started with my parents just being great models in that respect. And I was just super fortunate. And frankly, it sort of just became natural because of that. I think they showed it, they lived it, they talked to us about it, and it just was sort of how I was brought up. And Now I realize, looking back on it, how blessed I was to have that modeled for me and taught me so much at an early age, because I know that's not the case for everyone. But, you know, I think all along, my wife and I, you know, would tithe and to the church, you know, as we started our journey. But I don't think it was until well into that journey when I realized, you know, everything really belongs to God. We're just here to be stewards of what he's given us. And that, you know, I can't say I had that mentality all along. I just felt like tithing and giving back was just something we were supposed to do. But somewhere along the line, and I don't know exactly when it was, it clicked that we're here to be good stewards. And, you know, we would tithe, we would spend our time and talents in volunteering at the church and stuff. But I think once you make that switch to where God really owns everything and we're just here to do our part of that journey, it makes a lot of difference. And there are so many examples of generosity in the Bible that lately I've been reading the Gospels a lot. And it's amazing how many times you see generosity. I think, you know, about when John was preparing the way for Jesus and people would come to him. And I think the first couple sets of people they talk about in there that came to John was, you know, they said, what should we do? And his first comments were, whoever has two tunics should share with someone who has none. And those who have food should do the same. 
that's an act of generosity right there. And there's just so many examples that once you start thinking that way, they start to just pop out at you. And so I think realizing God owns it all and we're to be there as generous givers, I think is important. Yeah, I definitely agree that realization that God owns it all. And what does that look like for us and our role as the stewards? That was a life-changing a message for me to start to internalize. And it takes a little time to wrap your head around it, I think. And it has profound impact on your life. Rod, from the last time we talked, we talked a little bit about this concept of giving engines. And I was hoping you could explain a little bit about what that is, maybe where you came up with that idea or saw it modeled and how that looks in your life. Yeah, I will. I'm super passionate about this. So if I get to rambling too long, you guys just cut me off and we can move (laughs) on. But the reason I'm so passionate about it is because it aligns so well with my background and experience in business and the skills that God gave me and nurtured throughout my career. And, you know, as I mentioned, when Gary and I met, it was through business. And we started talking even during my career in corporate America we started talking about using business as a part of the ministry in different ways. And we would get together and talk over coffee. And then when I left Butterball, we actually had some sessions, even in a Cracker Barrel restaurant with a white pad and just sort of kicked ideas around. And that was really where we really started talking about how can we use business to create what we coined giving engines so that when Instead of, you know, investing a dollar or donating a dollar and spending it on operational, could you invest it in something that then becomes an engine that continues to give and give and give? So essentially, a giving engine is simply a business that directs a portion or all of its profits to support a ministry, helping to make the ministry sustainable. And maybe to put it another way, it's making an investment in a business that doesn't just generate a one-time gift but rather creates a sustainable stream of cash flow for kingdom purposes that goes on indefinitely. And frankly, hopefully even grows over time like most businesses do. So instead of writing a check that gets spent to cover costs one time, a giving engine represents an investment in economic, social, and spiritual transformation that provides ongoing sustainable support. And it sounds like a lot of words, but there's so many aspects of a giving engine, whether it's job creation, whether it's dignity for people who are working. And there's so many aspects of that that are just super exciting. And I'm sure you can kind of hear my passion about this, but I'm just so convinced. And I'll go on a little bit then with giving engines. You know, we view these as real businesses. They're not just hobbies. They're not things to just call a business and have to continually fund. I mean, we look at them no differently than any other business. And we expect them to deliver adequate or market rate returns to provide sustainable cash flow for a ministry. And we feel that's super important to not only be good stewards of those dollars and those investments that God's entrusted us with, but also to teach, you know, in the case of some of the examples we'll talk about later, we're hopefully teaching some of these young people as they're coming through and working in these, the value of work and that that really is a ministry. So these giving engines really have a number of objectives. And number one is sustainability of the business. I mean, it has to be profitable and run like a true business with financial metrics, 
like any other business would have. And number two, we would call, you know, sustainability of the family. We want to provide an engine for job creation, which results not only in a reduction of poverty, but also provides dignity for family providers and helps keep family units together. And in our case, we're working a lot with orphans. And the cure for the orphan crisis is to keep the family units together. And part of the reason there are a lot of social orphans out there, it's not just because their parents are gone, it's because they couldn't care for them. And so if we can provide jobs and keep those family units together, that's a huge goal. And then, you know, the next one would be sustainability of the ministry. We're building giving engines to provide all or a substantial portion of the cost of running ministries. And in addition, we put together measurements for the ministry impact. We provide vocational training for students and hopefully job opportunities for some of them that might have an interest after they graduate. And then finally, and I don't want to miss this one because I think it's so critical and it's certainly been a part of my story. The other goal of all this would be through these giving engines, we hope to bring joy and purpose to people with business skills, just like me. People that some cases they're looking for a transition from what their existing careers or perhaps maybe even in their retirement years to use the skills and talents that they've learned over their lifetime for kingdom purposes. And, you know, what you know about business is not separate from your spiritual life. In fact, the talents that he's given each one of us is a part of our calling. So just like the Bible teacher finds joy in glorifying God through their teaching gifts or a doctor, in your case, Keelan, finds joy in glorifying God by their ability to help heal people physically, a business person can find joy in operating businesses that fund ministries to honor God and provide jobs to people who really need them and provide dignity for that. Yeah, I love that whole concept of a giving engine on so many dimensions, like you were mentioning, how it is supporting a ministry, but also all the levels of the business side of it, training people in business, providing jobs, and all of that sort of thing. And like you mentioned at the end, allowing people to really not just be generous financially, but to really be generous with their whole being, everything that God has put into them. We talk all the time on the podcast about how all the wealth that we are given belongs to God. Like you mentioned, everything belongs to God, but also all of our skills and talents that also all belongs to God. And we only have them because he gave them first to us. And so I love the comprehensive aspect of a giving engine. I was hoping you could dive a little bit deeper into, you know, you mentioned connecting with Gary and LifeSong and starting to generate a lot of ideas. And I can really resonate with the notepad, scratching out ideas you know, across the table. And I think that's where the most fun happens. But tell us what happened next. Where did that go from there into kind of building that first giving engine? Yeah. So we got involved a little bit in some businesses here in the U.S., but then the other portion of the ministry really is orphan care, and it's internationally. And I'll give you an example of one of the businesses that I'm most involved with, and you'll understand why as soon as you hear what it is, but it's a hydroponic strawberry and outdoor blueberry operation. And it's you know right down the agribusiness fairway that I came from. And so right out of the shoots, it gets me pretty energized about, you know, anything to do with food production and all that is pretty exciting to me. So we call it Lifesong Farms. 
And like I said, it's a hydroponic and outdoor berry business. It was started in the Ukraine and really started as a hobby farm. Some kids, you know, just to maybe make a little bit of extra money and do a little work. But we sent some people to get some training in another part of Europe and came back and said, hey, this really has some potential. And so that has grown into a real business from a hobby. And we now have two different operations in the Ukraine. And not only there, but we have an operation in Zambia. We're doing a phase one trial in Uganda, and that's looking very promising. And today we have over 100 acres of berry production, employ over 325 people, and in 2021 generated almost $600,000 to fuel the ministry. So super exciting. And when those farms are fully productive, because as you can imagine, it takes a little bit of time to build up the production, especially on blueberries, Lord willing, they'll generate more than a million dollars for the ministries and employ over 400 people. So it's really been a fun journey. And it's been fun for me because I can take some of the sophistication of the businesses I was involved in and help teach younger people how do you do a internal rate of return? How do you look at whether you should make a capital investment or you shouldn't? You know, just some basic business things that once you've been in it a while, you might take for granted. But when you think back to when you started, you were learning all those same things. And so that's been really fun. But what's been super exciting to me about that business, and I won't get too much into the weeds here, but is that the orphan graduates are now running most of the day-to-day operations. They were just teenagers when they started. But, you know, whether it's the harvest manager or even the farm managers, in some cases, these orphan graduates have worked in there while they were coming through school, gone on to get some agronomy training and some other types of training and come back. And they're actually doing a lot of the day-to-day management of the business. So that's been super fun. But that's one example I love to talk about because it's been around the longest. But our goal really is to develop many more of these giving engines. And we're looking at a honey project in Zambia now, a dairy project, and a number of other things as well. So we would love to see things like the berries where we can replicate them from place to place and sometimes country to country. But Again, we'll see where God takes all this, but it's just been a great journey so far. That is so cool, the way that you've thought through and worked through so many of these challenges. And the Giving Engine meets or addresses so many different aspects from, it's not just a financial matter. It's so much more complex and deep than that. And it is really exciting hearing you describe it. I'm curious if you're conceptualizing and investing in these businesses from an ownership perspective, how do you make sure that they're sustainable and that you can move on to other projects? And if this berry production business is generating $600,000 or a million or $5 million someday, what are you doing with those funds specifically? No, absolutely. So the profits on the berry business, 100% go to fund the Ukraine orphan care ministry that's going on there. So in that case, there is no return back to any of the investment dollars. They were all done considering as charitable dollars. And now there's another kind of impact investing you can do, which you guys I'm sure have had people talk about on your podcasts already, but 
where the investor actually probably gets a return, but then part of it is used and there's a discipleship component in the businesses. So impact investing is a whole range of things that people talk about. This one is 100% dedicated for the orphan care ministry. So that's what's so exciting about the profitability is the investment was all God's to start with and all those proceeds are going to kingdom ministry. So that one's a super fun one to talk about. I'm sure they won't all be successful like that, but it's fun to have one that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as you guys have gone through this process and implemented it in a number of different contexts now, what lessons have you learned along the way? You know, what are some things that maybe didn't work out as you had hoped and things you've had to figure out? That's a great question. And it's a lot of the same lessons you learn or I learned through business. And that is people are so critical and having the right people doing the right things. I'm not sure it really matters what you're doing anymore, whether it's business or anything else. People are just so super important. But the other thing is investing in those people and taking the time to train them and disciple them. And and these young people, they're hungry to learn. And so the challenges are technology you can typically figure out. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. But the people aspect is just so critical. Having people with the right attitude, work ethic. And, you know, one of the things I think we've learned along the way is as you go to different countries, continents, everybody's a little bit different. And we view things differently than the Ukrainians, than the Zambians and the Ugandans. And so part of it is understanding the culture and making sure that we are not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and instead working within that to make it work. So, Rod, before we were talking today, you mentioned that you guys had worked with NCF using supporting organizations and then also now with Impact Foundation in order to kind of facilitate some of the organizational structure for how these giving engines can work. I was hoping you could flush out a little bit more about what that looks like. Yeah, I'll do my best. So we actually, and Lifesong Farms is a good example. So those are charitable dollars. So when somebody says, hey, I want to support that project or that business, they would make a donation and get a tax deduction at that point. That one is set up exactly just within Lifesong itself as an organization. We do set up a for-profit company for the business aspect, but it is funneled through Lifesong as a charitable. The other way we've done with some of the U.S.-based impact businesses that support the administration costs of running the nonprofit organization is we've used Impact Foundation as a platform. And it's been really awesome because these are for-profit companies operating right here in the U.S. And they're essentially then owned by Impact Foundation, but funded by a donor investor who says, I want to open up an account at Impact Foundation, get a tax deduction as they make a donation in there, and then that's invested in the company. So that's been a really good tool. And I'm not sure if I can clarify it a whole lot more than that, but Impact Foundation has a bunch of advantages to holding impact investments like that, because as a 501c3 organization, they get certain tax advantages that a normal stockholder or stakeholder would not get. 
So it's been a great tool. And I would encourage those who are interested in setting up a structure to meet with the Impact Foundation and or the National Christian Foundation people. And they are pros at helping structure things. Rod, I was kind of wondering, as you were talking through your story and describing the efforts that you're doing and supporting orphans internationally and all over the place, I've found that in my own life, I've had a growing desire to help others. And I don't always know what that looks like. And sometimes I become aware of a need or an opportunity to help other people. And sometimes I start doing something and my heart comes afterwards and more opportunities and more knowledge is presented. And I'm wondering what has been more so the case for you as you've explored this avenue? That's a really good question, Cody. And, you know, I think if you would have talked to me, what, 12 years ago before I started or 10 years ago, whenever it was, when I started getting more and more interested in this kind of thing, I'm not sure I would have said, oh, I want to go help orphans. I didn't really know what the area was that I wanted to focus on. But when I left Butterball, my wife and I went on a trip with Lifesong to Zambia at that time, actually. And then we also went to the Ukraine and maybe a year or so later. But it was on that trip when we saw the need and what they were doing in ministry. And I think it just grabbed both of our hearts that this is something we need to support. And we sort of did the financial support thing. But all this time, Gary and I were starting to talk and kick around these ideas of how you can go one step further. And I like to use the analogy with people that there's a lot of people just like me out there that, you know, were business people and lived their faith through their work. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That was my mission field when I was in. And I don't look back at that and say, I'm doing something better now than I was then by any means, because every occupation has a real purpose to it. And they're all were called in different ways. And for that season of my life, that's where God wanted to use me. But, you know, it's so often you hear stories of people who either transition or retire or whatever, that I had a skill set that God helped develop in me through 28 years. And, you know, then you get done and you say, okay, I want to go do something to help people. And they say, well, Rod, could you go down and tutor fifth graders in math down at the, you know, Hope Center or whatever? And yeah, sure, I could do that. But frankly, I call that my C or D game. I want to use my A game. And my A game was what I learned through my journey. And so this has really allowed me to use my A game. And I say that not to say anything about me, but I really want to challenge other people like me to think about finding ways to use their A game skills for kingdom purposes when they get to that point where they want to spend more time and energy doing that, as opposed to just doing something that I could go try to help build a house, but I'm pretty crappy at it. And I'm not sure anybody would want to live in the house that I helped build. So business is something that always felt like that's where God wanted me. And I think he still wants me there. He just wants me to use me in a different way. I think something you said there is very true, that there are probably many people out there that are right now in the exact same shoes that you were in those couple of weeks or months after you left Butterball. And now having experienced all that you have, 
what advice would you give to somebody in that situation who's, you know, in their first couple of years of retirement really doesn't feel like they are engaged in what they've spent their whole life, you know, building, specifically speaking about business skills, people who have spent their life in business, where would you, you know, recommend somebody like that to start in trying to figure out how God might use them? That's a great question. And, you know, it's interesting. I really believe there is a movement going on with impact investing, with using business as a way to help fuel either giving engines or for kingdom purposes, for sure. You see this all the time. And there are more and more business people that are getting really excited about doing something like this. Every time I talk to somebody about this, they're like, I want to get involved. It's one of those, even if they're not ready to transition, it starts the wheels turning on. Hey, there may be, you know, a way to continue to be engaged in what I've learned and what I love in a different way. So I think the advice I would give is to keep an open mind and, you know, let God use you where he wants to use you. And for a while, that may be right exactly where they are in whatever vocational role they're at. But when they get to that point in their career where they want to either retire or, in my case, just transition into some other things, be open, pray about it, seek advice. I think you can talk to people. You know, there's a number of great organizations out there, the Ron Blue Trust, NCF, Impact Foundation. I think there are places out there. And then, frankly, I think they're within the local church. There are more and more business people that are starting to talk about, hey, how can we get together and do something that impacts our community or impacts this ministry or whatever? And so I would just encourage encourage you to have an open mind and really seek others and seek counsel on that. If it's okay, I'll keep rambling here. And I want to share something with you guys. And one of my mentors, and it happens to be this Gary guy that I keep talking about, He shared with me some advice when I was in 2014, when I left Butterball and, you know, he wanted me to come and jump on board and, Hey, let's go do some things and let's figure this out. And I was like, Gary, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. You know, I want to take a little bit of time and he's like, okay, but yeah, but when you're done with this corporate rat race, you just have to come and join me and we can do some crazy things. But he gave me some advice when we made the decision that, I was going to look at, you know, joining some boards and all that. And he said, you know, Rod, somebody gave me this advice and I want to pass it along to you. And he said, if you're going to start using your treasures for things, for kingdom purposes, more specifically, he said three things. Number one, be focused and involved. And in whatever you're going to give to, do something you're passionate about, but make it more than just writing checks. Don't just make it about the financial aspect. Make sure you're focused involved. And for me, that meant getting involved in impact businesses and specifically something like Lifesong Farms. But for others, it might mean something else. But the second thing he said is dream big so that when it happens, you'll know it was God and not you. And I think Lifesong Farms, again, I don't want to keep going back to that same example, but it's a great, for me, it's been something that's been much more than I ever could have dreamed of, not only in terms of what it's become and the youth that are involved, the guys who are now running it and gals that are running it, but it's also something that we've been able to get others working on and it's opened up doors for other things. And then the third thing he told me was, 
use the skills and experience that God's given you to make a difference. And that's what we were just sort of talking about. Don't just say, I'm going to leave all that behind. Use that in this journey. And business has been a great tool for me. And I think it can be used so many ways to further God's kingdom. And throughout my career, I've learned a lot of lessons, both through failure and success, probably more through failure, that hopefully has put me in a position to use that to make a difference for the kingdom. So I just think it's important that people do that, you know, be focused and involved, dream big, and use the skills and talents that God's given you. You know, I was reminded of Never Thirst's story, how three businessmen were in the same room when a sermon was being preached, and they just felt convicted to do something. And and <laughs> I just was thinking, it doesn't necessarily have to be retirement. I think there's all kinds of opportunities to step into this bigger story that's going on. And I'm sure when you stepped away from Butterball, you had lots of options. You probably had job offers on your desk. You probably could have stopped working altogether and enjoyed a really nice retirement. But you've been invited into this life for the last decade or so that's so exciting to hear about and to witness a little bit just to get a little perspective on. But I'm sure that was a tough decision at the time. And has had its challenges along the way. Would you mind sharing a little bit about how you've been able to overcome those? Yeah, that's great. You always have to pick at the one area, right, Cody, to get things going here. So (laughs) yeah, it wasn't that easy. I mean, it was a hard decision. I mean, when you're used to doing one thing all in, especially at the CEO level, it's an all in, you know, effort. And then you go from that to, okay, am I going to go run another company? And you're right. I got calls to go run other companies. And I just, you know, as I prayed, I just, nothing felt right. And I think it was God telling me, Hey, you need to be open-minded and I'm going to sort of rock your boat here a little bit. I'm not going to totally take you out of what you like to do, but I'm going to rock your boat. And that's when the doors started opening to serve on boards. But that wasn't an overnight process. They don't just all show up and say, Hey, we'd like you to join this board and this board and this board. It was a, you know, two or three year process. And there were times where I was thinking, man, I've got to go back and get busy again. I'm not busy enough. I need to be busier. It's making me crazy. But every time I got to that point, God would open a door, it seemed like. And that could have been in a nonprofit context, a for-profit context. And today I'm on six or seven for-profit boards and a couple of nonprofit boards. And work with a couple of venture capital companies and I'm busier or as busy as I've ever been. The difference though is the structure of it is not so much executional as it is more of an advisory role. So it's been an interesting journey God's taken me on and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I had those days where I was scratching my head wondering what in the world I was going to do. But today I just love what I'm doing. And, you know, we talk about how do people get involved? And I mentioned this movement going on, but there are two groups in Kansas City of people just like me that are, and I don't like to use the word retire ever because I never retired. But even with other people, I say I refired, I didn't retire. (laughs) And so I'm refiring, not retiring, and I'm refiring in another way. So, The groups that I'm involved with are guys just like me and gals. 
that are saying, hey, how can we use our skills and stuff? And, you know, some of them are focused just on impact investments, which is great. I mean, that's totally great. And then others are saying, I want to get a little more engaged than just making some investments. I want to get focused and involved in some of these things. And how can we do that? And so both groups are having these discussions. So I can tell you there is definitely a movement out there. And I think if there are people like me that are looking at that, they just need to look around and talk to some people because I bet you there's some conversations going on around them. Yeah, something you said there resonated with me when you're talking about that two to three year period where things were a little slower than you were used to and kind of giving some space to allow God to work in your life and how he has just totally exceeded anything that you could have imagined at that time. I just didn't want to gloss over that. I think that's so critical. And I know in my life, as soon as there's quiet for a little bit, I find myself trying to fill it up quickly. And I think that there's a lot to what you're saying about giving God the space to really, you know, enter into our lives and giving him the ability to take us on a left turn out of nowhere. You've had such an interesting experience that you've been able to share with us already. I'm curious for what do you see coming up on the horizon? You know, what are you excited about? What do you see as uh, potential opportunities? And, you know, what are you thinking about these days? That's interesting. Well, based on our conversation, I'm sure it's pretty obvious that, and I don't want to be redundant here, but I do believe there's an incredible movement going on and looking at business in a, you know, a new and frankly, radical way. And I am super jazzed about what could be ahead. And it may be a business that I haven't even ever come across before. I don't know what the exact businesses are, but I'm super jazzed about continuing to look for ways that we can create giving engines, ways that we can get people like me engaged in kingdom work using their A-games their business skills. And I think impact investing, as we talked about, has really taken off and God's really using that. God moved me and I believe he's moving this church towards, you know, a really a new and a radical business mindset. I see it in millennials who want their work to be about mission and more than just getting a paycheck and going to work. I see it in my peers who would rather invest in, you know, a giving engine than continually giving to an ongoing need. So you know, you ask what I'm excited about and, and energized about. It's about coming alongside others in this journey. And as we use our skills and experiences and investments to further the kingdom and develop giving engines for long-term sustainability of ministries and frankly, to provide joy and purpose to people who want to use their skills in a radical way for kingdom purposes. So that's what I'm excited about. And I'd love to give you some specifics but I don't know what God's got in front here, but I'm excited to find out and go on the journey. Well, I was thinking about back to my college days when I would take classes about entrepreneurship and it seemed like people could just go create an app and become ultra wealthy and sell it. And it was so at the time enticing to want to try to build something, sell it, become really rich. But as I started to adopt this stewardship mindset, like you described, suddenly that allure of that path, it changes because becoming ultra wealthy is no longer a priority for me. It's really just to try to step into the story that God is writing. And I'd just love to hear 
from your experience being at a high CEO executive level of a major company to now doing, like you said, you're just as busy, but there's a different set of incentives. And I know one's not better than the other. They're just different. And I'm curious on how the dynamic changes when you are no longer in it to make money. Yeah, that's a great question. Really, I mean, you guys, the title of your podcast, The Finish Line Podcast. And I think once people make that commitment, two things. One is what we talked about earlier, that God owns it all. It's not ours. We're just here to be stewards of it. But then also have that finish line mentality, whether it's an income finish line or a net worth finish line, whatever that might be for, and everybody's different in that respect. But when you can take it then and apply it in a way to where you could just give it all away and that would be the end of it. But I really think God, at least in my case, was calling me to not just do that, but to do something that I could engage with. And frankly, through my business career, the goal was to multiply. It wasn't for me. It was for the shareholders or owners of the businesses I was running. But in this case, it's all for him. And so I'm trying to, and there are many cases in the Bible, the parable of the talents and things where the good and faithful stewards multiplied it. And I think that just really resonates with me. God doesn't want us just to dig a hole in the ground or put it under the mattress. He wants us to utilize and be good stewards of it. And he can do more than we could ever ask or imagine with it. But he also expects us to work at it. And in my case, to invest it in things that hopefully have an impact. And the thing I like about it is, you know, when you're in just the business world, there's a lot of metrics that just focus on financial returns. But when you get into this kind of business, it's about kingdom return. And it's about discipleship of young people. And frankly, bringing joy and purpose to refiring people like me and utilizing, you know, all the talents that we have and not just our money, including our money, but also including all those other things. So that's how I see it now. It energizes me. Well, Rod, this has been a really encouraging conversation and has got me really excited about this concept of a giving engine. And I have all kinds of ideas floating around in my head right now that I need to go process. But as we get to the end of this episode, I did want to leave a minute for our manager's minute. We're always talking about the idea that we are managers of what really belongs to God, that God owns everything, like you said yourself. And so as managers, we like to end every episode with one practical action to do just that, to manage God's wealth, to impact their communities, to advance the gospel and to build God's kingdom. So Do you have any suggestions for our listeners? Yeah, and this is kind of almost off context of what we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes or so. But, you know, one thing that my wife and I did, actually, we formalized it even more this last year, but started a number of years ago, was consider setting up a donor advised fund for your adult kids and putting some funds in it for them to give away. And you can even take it the next step. And we did this and just said, okay, this is up to you what you do with it. But we would just ask that you consider a couple of things. Number one is 
an organization that if you had time and our kids are at the stage of life where they don't have a lot of margin with little <laughs> kids running around and jobs and everything else. But if you had time, something that you would want to be involved with, and that sort of gets back to being focused and involved in what you're giving to. And it just sort of indicates this is a passion that we would have. Maybe there's a stage of our lives where we could get involved in that. And then you can do something. You can put other criteria if you wanted to, like it's got to be either a church or kingdom driven or something. I would just encourage people to consider that. It's been a way to sort of get, you know, as I was brought up in a home that modeled generosity, it's another way to get them sort of started down the process. And then a second one I'll throw out for you that's aligned with what we just talked about. For business people, you know, if you're in that stage of transition or retiring or whatever you want to call it, consider engaging in impact investing in some way. Maybe even get involved in a giving engine that you can use, you know, more than just your finances, but something that you can actually use your skills and experiences and get focused and involved with. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that, Rod. I, I love that advice. And I'm thinking of churches all across the world that have people, it's almost an untapped resource to not apply it. I've been there somewhat recently sitting and thinking, what does it look like to do a little more? What does it look like to give a little more of myself over and submit it to Christ? And I think you've modeled that wonderfully. And we're so honored that you're here to join us and share your story, your perspective. And I just want to say thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thank you guys. And I mean, you're doing incredible stuff by even just putting this podcast together and the time commitment, you know, in your stage of life. I wish I was as mature and far along on my generosity journey as you are when I was your age, but you're doing some awesome things. Well, there's certainly a lot of people that are helping along the way. And we have been so encouraged just to be able to hear all the stories like your own on this podcast and to be able to share those. But, you know, Cody and I joke all the time that we'd be happy to do this podcast if we didn't have a single listener just because of, you know, the ways that God has stretched how we think and how we, you know, view God's wealth and how God might use us or anybody else. And so, yeah, thanks for sharing your story and for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we would love to hear from you. And now I have a quick question for you. Do you know anyone who is living a life filled with generosity, purpose, and mission? If so, we would love to talk to them. They don't need to have a financial finish line, and they don't have to have all the answers. They just need a heart to steward God's wealth to the best of their ability. If you know someone like that, we would be honored if you would connect us. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. Finally, if you want to find any of our references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode 41. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time.